Romans chapter 12, uh, I'm going to begin reading at verse 14 through the end. Listen to God's word. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't know if you've ever tried to levitate before, but it seems to me it's contrary to nature. Uh, When Charlotte and I were one time in Cuba, there's, you know, these entertainers, you'll see them in Toronto or on the streets, and they appear to be levitating for a very long time while holding like a cane over here or something, and people throw money at them because they're impressed. Like, they're sitting on a platform, people, don't you? It's, It's quite hilarious that we seem to think that they can levitate this high for... 25 minutes and not get tired or something. Um, It's contrary to nature. It's it's the same as if you've ever gone into a rushing rapids of water and you step foot and you don't grab hold of anything, you're going where nature wants you to go, downstream. Unless you hold on. Unless you hold on to a a solid rock, you get a solid footing, you are getting swept away because that's the way nature is going. That's the kind of thing that this passage talks about in verse 20. Verse 19, we looked at last week, which says, Don't avenge yourselves. Don't try to retaliate. Don't get back at people for hurting you. That's, that's the natural thing. You want people to feel the hurt that you have hurt. That's natural. That's getting swept downstream. And so, last week it told us, get into that river and stand still. Don't get swept away. Don't go with your nature which says just get on with it and hurt them back. Don't do that. Get in and stand fast. And you're standing fast, according to last week, on the promise of God. God says, I will repay. So stand firm on that. Say, God, I I trust you. I believe you. I don't need to get swept away with my heart's desire to retaliate. I stand on your promises. So I'm holding fast and I'm, I'm fighting nature that way. But this verse goes further than that. Today in verse 20, we see it goes beyond just standing fast and going against nature and and holding on and getting swept away. It tells us to go upstream. It says at the very beginning of verse 20, to the contrary. So contrary to nature, contrary to what your heart naturally wants to do, do this. To the contrary, rather than retaliate and, and not just saying something and not just getting back at a person and thinking that's godliness... He goes far beyond that. He says, if you want to reflect me, you want to live a godly life, you're not just to not retaliate, but beyond that, he says, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. So go against your nature. Rather than return evil for evil, God wants you to return good for evil. When they dish out evil towards you, and they drag your name through the mud, you're to praise them. When they physically hurt you, you are to be gentle and kind to them. 
when they steal from you, you're to give generously. That's contrary to nature. Amazingly, our flesh wants to go into the stream and get, this is easy, I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to retaliate. Last week told us to hold fast, stand firm, don't slip up, don't get caught up in your nature. Trust in the promises of God. But this week goes beyond that. It says you've got to go upstream now. You're going contrary against your nature. Contrary to nature says love them. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. What's amazing is that is a very common thread that you would, you know, if you've read your Bible, you think, yeah, like, that sounds familiar, the whole like, giving them a drink and giving them something to eat. Well, you know, when Jesus is separating the goats from the sheep, He says, well, those of you, you gave me something to drink when I was thirsty, and you gave me something to eat when I was hungry, and you clothed me when I was naked. And the righteous said, well, when did we do that? He says, well, when you did it for the least of these. And those who do not love God, did not serve God, they, they ignored the thirsty and the hungry and the naked and the prisoner. They ignored them. And so there, it's talking about brothers and sisters, but there you see the nature of a, a Christian. The nature of a Christian, which is contrary to our sin nature, is generosity. It's sacrifice. It's selflessness. It is doing something for the sake of others. If he is hungry, feed him, it says. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. The whole idea of hunger and thirst also in the New Testament is so interesting. When you think about Jesus, when he talks to the woman at the well and he tells her that there is living water that he will give her and she will never thirst again, give her something to drink. When he is the bread of life that will not rot, that will not mold. There's a strange theme when it comes to hunger and thirst. But here, it's, it's going beyond that. It, this is trying to just capture uh, selflessness. It's not just talking about, well, if he's hungry and thirsty, well, what if he doesn't have any clothes? Can I get away with not giving him clothing? Well, no, this is not to limit you in your response to the person who has harmed you. This is not a limiting verse, which just says, all right, just hungry and just thirsty. What's interesting, as I was meditating and I spent time slowing down word by word in this verse, what struck me, what was straightforward and clear, if he's hungry, give him food. If he's thirsty, give him water. But you slow down for a moment, like you do in any good Bible reading, and you notice the word if. If he's hungry. If he's thirsty. As we've talked many times through Romans chapter 12, seeing how a Christian is meant to interact with other people, do you notice? Do you know someone's need? Or are you too self-absorbed to even notice if someone has a need like thirst or hunger or clothes or whatever it may be? This eliminates self-absorption. You have to be noticing other people, interested in other people, taking uh, note of their lives to know if they are hungry or if they are thirsty. Then going further, as I was meditating, I thought, well, if my enemy is not hungry and if they're not thirsty, do I get off scot-free? Do I just get to... Perfect. I just get to hold fast to the promises of God. I don't got to go contrary to nature because they're not hungry or thirsty. They're doing quite well. Uh, No, the, the word if is also not limiting in that sense. You begin to realize the application of this verse is unlimited. 
Because you notice as you meditate on God's heart through this passage and all of Scripture, is it's about thinking about the needs of others and not yourself. Because in this circumstance, in verses 19 and 20, the person that's being commanded, so uh, us, is a person who has been hurt. Therefore, we have this enemy, someone who has harmed us, hurt us, out to get us. And what does a person in that circumstance normally do? They look at me. Like, I'm hurt. I was taken advantage of. I was this. I was that. And so they look so inwardly, they will never notice the other people. So this verse is calling us out of that. So it says, listen, if you're trusting in God's promise, do you really believe Him when He says He will repay the wrong? Okay, then don't take vengeance. So that could be off your heart. Don't worry about and don't fester about the, the time or the situation. Don't let it consume you. So leave it to God, right? And now, with that burden a little bit more lifted, it says, contrary to nature now, look outside yourself. Because your nature says, care for you. Your nature says, look in the mirror only. Your nature does not say, look through the window at the lost world. Look out the doors at those who are needy. Your nature says, focus on you and you alone. So this verse is calling us out of that. It's calling us out of our sin nature, our natural uh, bent towards selfishness. It calls us out of that. Even to think about our own enemies. You may be thinking, well, I don't have enemies. Like, no one's, I'm not at war with anybody. But the terms used is those who are not at peace with you. Those who have harmed you, hurt you. Um, those who you maybe have something against. They're enemies. They're not at peace with you. Our natural response to being hurt is to hurt back. And then when we're hurt, it's also to look inwardly. Think about our own needs. Well, I need to recover. I need to feel better. I need to get over this. I need someone to give me a cup of cold water because I'm feeling pretty shocked right now. But God is calling us to, in these moments of hurt, to trust Him. And then to, contrary to what we want to do, to look to their needs. Well, why did they hurt you? Think about your enemy for a minute. Why are they so angry? Why are they so bitter? Why, why are they so jealous? Why, why would they treat another human being that way? Oh my God, have mercy on my enemy. Start to think about them and why they would cause such hurt, such pain, pursue such a path in your life. Why would they do such a thing? Start to have a heart for them. And have mercy on them. This is calling us then to sacrifice everything we have for others. That's how Romans chapter 12 started, didn't it? Present yourselves as a living sacrifice. All of you. Not just like your heart to Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus. No. Give your whole self. All that you have. Your house. Your car. Your pocketbook. Give it for others as a blank check. And those others included here is your enemies. If they have a need... And you should meet it. Ensure their needs are met, is what this verse tells us. It's tangible. But what's amazing is, as we read this verse, and maybe you've heard this verse before, sometimes people are embarrassed about the last part of the verse. Sometimes they apologize for the last part of the verse. Sometimes they don't understand the last part of the verse. Does this mean that the motivation 
for me loving my enemies is so that as I do this, I will heap burning coals on their head? Like, what does that even mean? Is that a good thing? Because I was just told prior that I should not worry about revenge and I should not worry about retaliation. But now this seems to me, well, that if I just do this, like give them a cup of water, then I get my revenge. Well, no, the revenge here is God's. It is still God's. And what's amazing about this this concept at the end of verse 20, for by doing so, when you give uh, to your enemies, for by doing so, you will keep burning coals on his head. These two verses um, are from uh, a quote from Proverbs chapter 25. But what's interesting is Paul leaves out the last part of his quotation. This is how Proverbs 25 reads. So look at Romans with your eyes. Look at Romans. I'm going to read where Paul's quoting from. He says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. And you will heap burning coals on his head. And the Lord will reward you. Paul leaves that part out. That's interesting. So what's then the motivation? Because... It seems to me that we're to be motivated to heap burning coals on their head. And that's why we might give uh, to them. That's why we might, might sacrifice for them. Is that the motivation? Is it to bring shame on them? Yes, in one sense it is. It is. When you return kindness for severity, that person ought to feel ashamed. There ought to be a sense of, even in that moment, a sense of, whoa, that's not right. You're supposed to retaliate. Like, I cut you off, you're supposed to cut me off. I hit you, you're supposed to hit me. But when they hit you and you give them a hug, I would not suggest doing that, maybe. Depends on the person, but... um, It's just contrary to nature, and it ought to almost bring a sense of burning shame on them, like, I am so wrong to have done this thing. When you return good for evil... It is not normal. It's not human. And so it brings this sense of burning coals on their head, this sense of shame, this guilt, this urging to make something right or to be right. By returning this kindness for their mistreatment, the hope is that they would not only come to appreciate you as a person and go, wow, okay, I guess they're pretty decent, the fact that they have responded that way. But if that happens, um, and that's the only thing that happens is they think you're a good person, then you're still at a loss. For what we long for much more than a person thinking you're all right, is we hope that uh, those who do not get what they deserve, so they deserve retaliation in the moment, but if we give them kindness, so those who do not get what they deserve, by your mercy, because of God's grace, that they may come to a place of repentance. That they may not only ask for your forgiveness and stop doing what they were doing, but they would come to God in the same way and realize that their sin against you is not only against you, that it was against your maker, your creator. That is our hope in this sort of action. So that there is not burning coals on their head. And it's amazing because sometimes this idea of burning coals on their head, how many people's conversion stories have you heard where they said, I saw the fire? Like there was a moment that made me like feel like I was going to hell. Like fire flickered before my eyes. I imagined myself in hell, and therefore, I, Jesus opened my eyes and, and saw him. Right? 
So perhaps this is part of that concept is in your kindness, in response of their evil, they might see judgment on themselves and go, oh, may that not be for me. May that be what they see. That is our hope, that they would give themselves wholly to Jesus and be forgiven by Him. That's our hope. That's my hope for you this morning. That you've come to know this truth. That by God's grace, you have taken Jesus as your own, as your Savior, having been born again. But here's the truth that no matter, uh, all of us in this room have not only been the victim. We often see ourselves in these verses as the victim. Right? The one who's been hurt. The one who has to do good to others. What about you being the enemy? We've all hurt people. We all need forgiveness. And not just from the person. You know that as well as I do. We, yes, we need forgiveness from the person for our wrongdoings. But beyond that, we need forgiveness from Christ. From God, our maker, our keeper. Because we're not the only victim. We are also this enemy sometimes. And perhaps now, even in this moment, you're still currently the person who caused hurt. Maybe even in this moment, you've not felt the urgency to seek forgiveness by admitting your sin against another person and against God. Man, it's a fearful thing to delay seeking forgiveness. Here's what we see in Romans 12.20. is a person who, after being sinning against you, Instead of you taking revenge on them, you've returned kindness and grace. This person, if they do not respond to that grace of God, which has come through you, they will have judgment come upon them. They will. It'll be like burning coals on their head for all of eternity. For you see, if you offer them forgiveness and they refuse, Matthew chapter 6 tells us what that's like. If you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. So that goes both ways, right? Thinking about the person who will not forgive you, but also thinking about you who will not forgive others. Uh, Scripture tells us that there is not much assurance of your salvation if you refuse, refuse to forgive people. That you're, pretty, you're on shaky ground. You are on fearful ground if you refuse to forgive people. Um, scripture gives us warrant to question whether we understand the forgiveness of Jesus at all if we refuse to forgive people. Because here's what we see in verse 20 is this person who seemingly has had grace given to them, right? You've given them what they don't deserve. And it seems that they have not responded And they would have burning coals on their head. They would have judgment because the Father won't give them forgiveness if they've not forgiven you or or asked forgiveness. If a person is not forgiven by God for their sin, then then John chapter 3 tells us that the wrath of God remains on him. Burning coals on his head. This is not what we desire. And, And so, we seek then to be these people who apply Dishing out grace. Giving out of mercy. To the contrary, it says. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. It begins by saying this is contrary to nature. 
Not only is this contrary to nature, but so is holding on and not getting swept away. You realize that you cannot do that in your own strength, in your own ability. You'll just keep slipping and going downstream and downstream. Downstream in bitterness, downstream in anger, downstream in unforgiveness, or downstream in uh, not seeking forgiveness for the wrongs that you've done, for justifying your own sin. The stream is endless. Our, Our sin nature takes us away from godliness. But this is going against the current. This is going upstream. And the only way we're to do that is we must have a different nature. Because if this is contrary to nature, then how are we ever to do it? Well, God tells us, He gives a promise in Ezekiel 11. He says, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and I will give them the heart of flesh so that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. It is only by the power and the strength of God in us that we can go contrary to nature. It's only by God. Ephesians chapter 4 says, And we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Romans chapter 12 is not a big to-do list for Christians. It is a, a list that shows you the fruits of being a Christian. It's not a, hey, check all these things off, make sure you've done it, try your darndest. You know, it began, chapter, uh, chapter 12 verse 1 began with, and I appeal to you brothers by the mercies of God. You are solely dependent on the mercy and the grace of God for any of this. Don't try to do this on your own. You're going to get swept downstream. But God, by His grace, gives us a new nature that we may put it on, being renewed after His own likeness by the Word. The only way we're ever going to live contrary to what we want is by submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit's guidance, His teaching us from the Word, We ought to just walk in faithfulness to Him. Walk with a a vision and a mission of your life to bring glory to God in all things. That's why I love the Westminster Confession of Faith. The first question is, what is the chief end of man? It's to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Is that your chief aim? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Make that your mission. Make that your goal. By the Spirit's power, you will reach forward, you will make steps in that direction, and then we will live contrary to our nature. So many places in the scripture, Colossians is one example, where it's telling you to put off all the old man, right? Cut it out, weed out these things that are contrary to the, the, what the Spirit's at work in your life, and to put on the new man. Like, are you inviting the Spirit's help in your life? Are you open to it? Have you opened all the taps that He has given you to, to drink from this living water? The Bible and prayer and fellowship and evangelism. All of these things God uses to make you more holy. Are you utilizing them? So that when you come to a place like this, a directive from God, which tells you don't avenge, which is what you want to do. And don't just stand still trusting on the promise of God. But go contrary to that. Hike it upstream. Get going. By God's grace, you'll realize that as you do, There's a line in the water. And it's not you. 
but in your willingness and your submission to go and to do hard things for God by His power and strength, you're, you're going contrary to nature. And so, therefore, proving to be His disciple. This is one of those good deeds that Scripture tells us to do. In Matthew chapter 5, when it tells us to be a light and to not hide ourselves under a bushel, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So when we think about the motivation for applying this passage, the motivation is not so that you might be able to go, Wonderful, finally, they have burning coals on their head. That's what they deserve. Your motivation is so that God gets glory. And you realize he gets glory in the, his justice. In his justice. In his, in his vengeance. He gets glory either at the cross of Jesus or in eternity. He gets glory. That's our desire. We want to live in light of this. We want to live as people who have been recipients of grace and mercy. We've gotten what we do not deserve in a positive sense. So therefore, we're also to extend that out. Let us not be cesspools of grace. It all just flows in and hangs out here. Let us be people who let grace flow through us to others. So that people may see and know and behold and go, Why are you like this? That's not human. You say, I know it's not. It is not what I want. But it's what God wants and it's what God's doing in me. So let us then be people who live contrary to nature because we live with the new nature, the Holy Spirit of God in us, so that God may get glory. Let's pray. Father, this is a hard task, but we are so glad that it is not of our own strength where we rely upon you for it. So we just ask that you would help us, God. There's many of us in this room who have been hurt by others. And maybe we are festering in unforgiveness. So God, we need your help. Firstly, there to realize our forgiveness that we have in Jesus. And that we ought to offer that same mercy and grace to others. God, help us to do that. Help us to trust your promise that you will avenge all evils. And then God, help us to, by your Holy Spirit's power, to live contrary to our nature. To go against the stream, against the culture which says, you know, you are yourself and don't worry about others. God, help us to look outside ourselves, to see the needs, to meet the needs of not only those who are around us and easy, but those who are against us and hard. God, we want to live like this because this is how Jesus has lived. We want to reflect him so that we might tell people about him so they can come to a saving knowledge of him. God, we want to do this and we need your help in it. So we just ask in Christ's name, amen.